Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another Bible study session. Father Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word. We thank you because there are just so many gifts for us in this scripture today. And we're just excited to unpack it and eat it and begin to manifest. Um, we thank you for another time to worship you and learn from your word as a community. Um, we ask that you open the eyes of our heart today to hear what you are saying to us this very moment. Open the eyes of our faith to see that which is eternal so that we may move with a conviction that does not hold unto unbelief even in the face of impossibilities. But our faith becomes empowered by your word and that our faith grows in confidence that we can do all things, all things through Christ who gives us strength and that our faith is strengthened by the finished work of the cross and in knowing that he, the almighty Jesus Christ, who started this work in our lives, in us, is faithful to complete it until the day he returns for us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you give me the tongues of the ready writer and that you speak through me today, not my words, but yours Oh God, my Father, be my mouth, be with my mouth, and teach me what to say every time I speak. Father, Lord, give me a mouth of skillful words and wisdom. I declare that I become lesser and lesser, and Christ becomes greater and greater in me. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank God for everyone in this community, everyone that has tuned in tonight. Father Lord, I pray tonight that you center their heart. You said right before we came on this call that tonight you want to, what you want to do is called creative light. Creative light is different from illuminative light. Creative light births things. It is the light that creates new things. It is the light that was there at the foundations of the world. I'm going off, totally going off script here. I don't know what the Lord is doing. Creative light is the light that 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 God used in Genesis one when He said, "Let there be light." The light that creates, and that is what the Lord is doing here tonight. So, Lord, I pray that let Your creative light be birth, break forth out of us, break forth from our inner man to create new life, to create new ideas, to create new men, new women. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. We welcome you. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, I have prayed. Amen. Amen. Let us recap on the last session. The last time we, we studied John chapter 4, verses 1 to 26. And here are our key takeaways. Number one, in our place of rest, we make the deepest connections with God and with man. We must prioritize rest, not sleep, but rest. Never forget that. Number two, we should be filled with, with God so much that we have the courage to do what others can't do, won't do, or don't want to do in order to reach souls for him. Number three, we must be sensitive and discerning of our divine encounter moment so that we can engage it. It is at that moment of engagement, Jesus is able to give us access to his living waters. Um, that that shifts us shifts our lives in the path of destiny. Number four, we talked about the heart posture of true worship that it must be in spirit and in truth. We must worship God in spirit by the Holy Spirit and in truth by studying the Word of God. 
are your worship must have a foundation in the word of God and the spirit of God. Finally, I said, when you engage Jesus at a level of depth, of communication, of vulnerability, of openness, he will always reveal himself to you. So that was our recap from our last session. And so today I would start, I will read from John chapter 4, verses 27 to 42. So let us open our Bibles to that. I will read and then we'll go on from there. Reading also helps me just kind of center into the story before <laughs> I, um, I teach. Um, so mm, the title, it says the ripen harvest. Very interesting. So verse 27 says, just then his disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. <laughs> Yet no one said, what do you want? Or why, why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar, went into town and told the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. In verse 31, it says, in the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have no food to eat. I have food to eat that you don't know about. <laughs> The disciples said to one another, um, could someone have brought him something to eat? And then in verse 34, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus told them, don't you say there are still four months, still four more months and then, and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper can rejoice together. I'm actually reading from the Christian Standard Bible. In verse 37, it says, For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. Uh, verse 39 and then he said, now, and then he says, now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said. Since, you have heard, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this is really, this is really, this really is the savior of the world. This really is the savior of the world. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Jumping right in. So in verse 27, it says, and at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? Um, so basically, when the disciples came back from their errand and they saw Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman, they were shocked and that he talked with a woman. Like, I can just imagine what they thought when it clicked that it was not just a woman, but a Samaritan one. So the Bible didn't say he was talking to a Samaritan woman. It said a woman. So her nationality was not even a question. The fact that she was a woman was the problem. <laughs> it must have been so 
they must have been shook, they must have been, they must have been so shocked that Jesus was actually talking to a woman. And we must understand why this was a big deal, right? In this situation is because um, back then women weren't, were considered lower in hierarchy. Um, um, and then Jewish people also didn't associate with Samaritans, right? So women were considered um, lower in hierarchy. And on top of that, a Messiah, like, a whole priest, a whole priest was talking to a woman. Wow. Just, I, I'm just trying to paint a picture. You can just imagine that. Um, I'm sure that shattered their paradigms and really shook their table. And so they were so, they were shocked. <laughs> they couldn't even say anything. That's how shocked they were. Um, as we know, Jesus was always challenging cultural norms and stepping outside the comfort zone of culture or what people thought was the right way to do things. He did the unthinkable, even up to the point that he died for us. Dying for us is an unthinkable thing. No one dies for anyone. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe a mother trying to save her child, you know, that's, the, that's that kind of love, very deep. Jesus was bold. He took risks. He, he was courageous. His disciples couldn't say a thing to him, even though they were shocked that he was talking to her. I'm sure they were too shocked to speak, literally. You know, that happens when you're like, just like weak, <laughs> you know? You know, you know, it just renders you silent. You're like, wow, okay. <laughs> so it was completely outside of their own comfort zone. You know, seeing Jesus do that took them by surprise. Um, I just, so, I mean, I, I went around this field because I just wonder how many people outside of our comfort zone um, do we have the courage to speak to, to interact with, to make an impact that will leave others shocked, too shocked to speak, where they're like, wow, you did that? You know, this is such a courageous call for everyone here. It's like, what, what are you going to do that is going to impact someone's life in a way that, you know, just completely outside of your norm that will leave other people, other people too shocked to speak? food for thought for everyone, including myself. Verse two, going on to verse 28 to 30, it says, the woman left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be Christ? And immediately they ran out. They went out to the city and came to him. So basically when the woman saw the disciples, she knew mm, it was time to leave because it says the woman left her water pot, right? Sometimes we need to know when to leave an environment. We need to know once you've gotten the value that you need, the experience you require, the skill you desire, leave before it gets inconvenient for you. If she stayed there, those guys would have been, I'm, I can't even imagine what they would have been saying to her. You know, get there before the naysayers spoil, get out before the naysayers spoil your mood. You know, um, you, get, you know what I mean? I'm not saying you should be rude, but you got to use wisdom sometimes, you know. So the Samaritan woman drops that thing that gave her validation at the feet of Jesus. So he said, she left her water pot. Remember, the water pot was, from our last reading, it was what gave her validation. We discovered that she came to the well to draw water to seek validation and to prove her worth <clears throat> to her community. Um, but by the time she was leaving Jesus, she had dropped her baggage because she had dropped that validation at the feet of Jesus after she made the validator himself. Jesus is our validator. 
she drops it. She's like, I don't need this. Though it was a prestigious profession for women to fetch water at the well back in the days, for her, it was her baggage because it was what she used to seek validation. But after meeting Jesus, she realized that she didn't need that baggage, so she left it at his feet. My question to you is, what professional baggage, certificate, degree, qualification are you carrying about in the different areas of your life as a source of validation? For some, it may be your business, it may be your marriage, it may be your career, it may be your education. Would you drop this baggage at the feet of Jesus today? He wants to exchange your baggage for his living water. Psalm 55 verse 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. This is exactly what the woman did. She dropped her water pot in exchange for living water that would sustain her. In verse 29, we see that she went back into town to tell the men she had met a man that, that, that she had met a man that seemed to be Christ. I love the emphasis on men, not just because I'm a woman, but I think it's worth noting. She went to meet the men she sought validation from. <laughs> and she was basically like, I met a man greater than all of you combined. But I could just imagine the thoughts going on in her mind because, you know, saying I met a man who told me everything I did and he did not judge me. That is so big. She met Christ. He told, he told her, he literally aired a dirty laundry outside and he didn't judge her. Because, you know, women like her were stoned to death and considered adulterers in the society. Having a regular life without judgment must have been so difficult for her. But when she met Jesus, he accepted her as she was. But he didn't let her live the same way he met her. So when you encounter Jesus, there must be an exchange. He never leaves you the same way he meets you. You may come as you are, but you can't stay as you are. His love is so deep, too deep, that he will never allow you to walk away broken or burdened without healing the broken places, without giving you living waters, without restoring everything that you've lost. He's just too faithful and too good to leave us alone the way we are. Another thing to note from this is that when you encounter Jesus, the same people who sought who you sought validation from are the ones that you will go back to tell that you met someone greater than them. They are your audience. Hallelujah to that. <laughs> they are the ones you tell your story of grace and salvation to, the ones you share your testimony with. They will see that your life has changed. They saw something different from the woman and this is why they followed her after she told them she met Jesus. Think about it. The people that she, that, you know, she sought validation from, these men were probably just treating her anyway. She went back to meet them and they actually listened to her. Your confidence in how you tell them about the one who saved you lets them know you don't need their validation anymore. You don't need the insecurities that held you back anymore. Now you have found the one that validates you. His name is Jesus and he's the ultimate validator. He's the I am, is Jehovah, the I am that I am. That is his name. And now those people will in turn seek Jesus because they also had a longing to feel validated or relevant all along. 
Because in verse 30, he says, we see that the men ran out of the city to meet Jesus. They ran out. Just imagine grown Jewish men running to meet another man. Exactly. That means the transformation in that woman and the impact Jesus had on her must have been quite obvious and visible to make grown men run. And the honest truth is, when you truly encounter Jesus in your life, your life goes from night to day. There is such a stark and visible difference such that people you tell, people who encounter you after your encounter with Jesus will run to meet, to meet him because they can see the difference in your life. This is not about something that you heard. You can actually see it. Your life then becomes God's glory on display. Wow, that is amazing. That is amazing. And then if we move on to verse 31 to 33, it says, in the meantime, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat, but he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Um, the disciples were clearly not concerned with what was happening between Jesus and the woman. I mean, because to them, she didn't, ma she didn't matter that much, right? And so their goal, they just focused on, oh, has Jesus eaten, you know? And to be honest, that is a good thing. Like, I mean, there's disciples, they care about his welfare and all that. And I don't blame them. You know, you care about the welfare of your leaders, of people that, you know, you work with. No one wants their leader to faint because they had been exhausted from their trip, right? Um, so I, I guess you can say that it was thoughtful of them to remember Jesus, but very unkind of them to ignore the situation with the woman because they didn't even talk about it. They were quiet. <laughs> Right. And yes, they knew that Jesus needed physical food because they had been traveling all the way from the wedding in Cana, um, Passover in Jerusalem, then the baptism in Judea. And then now they are all in, in Samaria and they did, they, they walked, they, you know, they were traveling, you know, they were walking on, all on foot. Not, there were no cars, <laughs> no trains back then. Right. And so it made sense to, as to why they would kind of focus on his physical well being. Right. But Jesus, as usual, <laughs> threw in his shade <laughs> moments, his shade comments. Um, he, he elevated their mindset immediately. He always wanted to elevate their mindset to the spiritual and to God's agenda. Remember, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That is exactly what was happening here with his response. So his response was that, I already ate. What he needed was spiritual nourishment which is why he actually sent them away. Remember, he rested when he, they left. He sent away the noise. And his encounter with the Samaritan one was exactly what he needed to refill and replenish. So in the kingdom of God, when we receive, we must give. The principle of the kingdom is open hands. Jesus needed to have that encounter with the woman to give what he had in him so that he could make room for more, to expand his capacity to receive more, more anointing and more energy from God. So when you give, you increase your capacity to receive more from God. When you impart, you increase your capacity to receive more from God. When you use your gift, you increase your capacity to receive more from God. When you use your anointing, you increase your capacity to receive more from God. Jesus also knew a fundamental truth as how the world functioned 
that the spiritual governs the physical. So if he was spiritually nourished, he understood that he got his power and strength from the divine. And ultimately, he will be fine physically. Spiritual energy is a real thing. I tell you that. Sometimes you can be full and high from the things of the spirit. You, you literally have to consciously like calm yourself down because you are literally mounting on eagle's wings at that point, full of energy, not hungry, nothing. That was what Jesus was experiencing. So the disciples being like every one of us, you know, kept focusing on the physical, asking if anyone brought Jesus food. But to be honest, um, I can't blame them because if it was me, I would have been focused on food too because I love me some good food. <laughs> and I know the way I eat. So that would have been my first, like my first, the first thing I would have said, honestly. Um, and to be fair on them, they also hadn't fully understood the supernatural life, the extraordinary life, the things of the spirit at this point. You know, they were still kind of new in their walk with Jesus. They mostly didn't understand the supernatural until after jesus died and he resurrected that's the truth right um and just like many of us sometimes we always interpret god's word literally with a physical interpretation instead of the spiritual interpretation and 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 seeing the word the way god sees it right it is a lot of times we we often interpret the the word that god gives us the wrong way um, but is we must be able to interpret properly and understand the things of the spirit as well. Um, that's very key. And that's a topic for another day, but that's very key. When you get a word from God, you must ask God to explain it because most times it's not literal. It's always tied to the spiritual first before the physical. Um, you see the physical manifestation. And then moving on to verse 34 to 38, it says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months left? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are ready in this season. So, and then, so what Jesus was telling them was that his food was to do the will of his father. That is how he ate. <laughs> Basically, he got his sustenance from doing the will of God. This is a big deal because it means that fulfillment comes from doing the will of God who created us. And when we finish the work he calls us to do, so it's two part, right? Because he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So fulfillment, you have to have both. So to get fulfillment in your purpose, you must both do God's will or his plan and finish the will or the plan of God. It must be complete. <laughs> so we know walking outside of purpose won't bring fulfillment, right? But this is saying you can still walk in purpose or the will of God, but if you don't finish it, then you then it will bring you fulfillment. I think that was that's really stood out to me. The fulfillment of purpose comes when actions, when the actions tied to deliver purpose are completed. The more Jesus did God's will and finished his work per time the more satisfied, the, more, the stronger and fulfilled, the more fulfilled he got, the more capacity he had to do his purposeful work, the more supernatural power he received to continue to walk in purpose and to continue walking in purpose till he died. So we must do the will of God and take action and complete it. 
right? So remember that we have an ultimate destination, but along the way, we have goals that we accomplish per time and per season. So the more our lives are aligned to the will of God and to finishing the work he gives us to do per time, the more you won't be hungry for what doesn't satisfy you, right? What doesn't fulfill you? And that can come in whatever form. It may just maybe like the Samaritan, it might be validation or approval, or maybe it's a job or a career, a business, a relationship, whatever that may be for you that keeps you feeling unfulfilled. But the more we align to the will of God and, and then we, we commit to finishing the work that he gives us to do per time, then your satisfaction now comes from fulfillment and accomplishment of your purpose per time. That is so key. That is so key. That is so key. And then in verse 35, he says, can't you see that the fields are ready for harvest? Don't you say, I still have time to get it, get to it. So in this context, in the context of this story, Jesus was telling the disciples that the Samaritans were ready for harvest for the kingdom. Their hearts were ready to receive and to hear the message of Christ, the kingdom. Um, they had been, the Samaritans, as you read before, had been asking questions among themselves on whose way of worship was better. Um, remember the woman mentioned that earlier when we read that um, last session and which is why jesus stopped in samaria actually because the harvest was ripe and ready um the samaritans were ready to receive the good news of jesus um the messiah although his disciples didn't understand this which is why they were so focused on the physical food so you can't really blame them they're not spiritually mature um and so they're not they're not um, aware of what was happening around them the, that the samaritans were ready to receive the message of christ which is why it says they ran to him. They didn't walk, they ran. <laughs> they ran to him. So they're really ready to receive Christ. So I think one key lesson to point out here is that sometimes you have to go to the region where your message is ready to be received by the people you have been sent to. A lot of times, you know, we just want to talk to everybody. You know, but there are certain people that you have been sent to. This means that you have to discern where you need to go so you can reach those who are ready to receive your message or your story. You know, in a time of social media, many of us think that we are called to everyone, but we are not. Like, we are only, you're only a king in your own kingdom. So you are a king in, in your own king's domain, right? So you ask God to show you your domain, um, your domain of, so your sphere of influence, or people not sometimes people naturally gravitate towards you. You know, those people are most likely in your in that domain of your in your kingdom, right? Um, and so these are the people that will be most receptive to receive you and your message or your story. Um, the passage also mentioned Jesus saying that they were white for harvest. That stood out to me. This means that their hearts were soft enough to receive the message of the Lord. They were white, they were pure, they were long, they were thirsty, they were hungry for Christ, they were hungry for something new, they were hungry for creative light, hallelujah, your heart is pure for harvest, when it's not hard, when it's open to receive correction, it's ready to unlearn old mindset, it is ready to receive the truth that is Jesus Christ, this also shows that you don't have to be saved by Christ to be pure for harvest, your heart just needs to be at that stage where it is open enough to receive from God, Remember, God sees and looks at the heart. That is his criteria for anything. So we must all get our hearts right so we don't miss out on what God wants to do in our lives in this season. You know, the hearts of the Samaritans were ready to receive Christ. 
even though they had the way that they worship before, but were now ready for the real deal. They were ready to be saved. They were ready for something new. As I'm sure we all are ready for something new. What they were doing before wasn't satisfying their souls. You know, and this can apply to us at any stage in our Christian journey. Never get complacent. Never feel like, once you know, never feel okay where you are. Always, your heart must always be ripe for harvest. Be ready to receive a fresh word from God. Be, be open to receive God's word and instruction for you per season and per time. You know, are you open to God's words and instructions for you this season? Or do you have a wall up? One of the keys we see to a heart that is white for harvest is that the heart diligently seeks God. And I said, I've said that several times, but I'm saying it again today. A heart that diligently seeks God is, <clears throat> is a heart that is white for harvest. A heart that is curious to learn more about the person and the character of God, not just his acts, but his ways, who God is, a heart that is ready to build an intimate relationship with God. The Lord sees you and he will find you and he will encounter you just as he found the Samaritan woman and her life changed forever. Let your heart see God today. And I promise you, your life will never, never remain the same. And if you're on the other side of the equation, if you're, the, if you're sent to reap the harvest, which all of us are called to do, actually, God is saying to you, but you know, there are different stages in your Christian journey, right? God is saying to you, the harvest is ready. The hearts are waiting to hear your message, your story, your impact. Don't delay any longer. Press on towards what's ahead. Yes, you may not have done the planting, but the harvest is ready. Lives are waiting to be saved. Souls are waiting to be reached. They are waiting for you. We are in those times Jesus talked about here in this passage. The hearts of men are ready to receive Jesus. Many people are hurting. The world is broken. Many hearts are broken, needing healing, hope, love. And someone out there is waiting for your message of hope, waiting for you. Will you rise to the call tonight? And it doesn't have to be complicated, you know. Maybe all you need to do is act like Jesus. Who knew all he had to do was reach one woman, just one, you know, to reach that person who would carry on his message to, to this new audience you're trying to reach, right? I would like to know that this is such a great market entry strategy. If you're a business person on here <laughs> looking to expand, when you're going to a new region you're unfamiliar with, always connect with one person that can influence other people. Mm-hmm. The Samaritan woman was the first influencer. <laughs> you don't need multiple people. You just need one person, the right person, the right influencer. Jesus knew this about the woman and he chose her to do the job. This is a great model for us as leaders as well. So you might not be a business person, but you, we're all leaders. We're called to be leaders, seeking to influence other people with your message to make, to make life-changing decisions. You are wanting to reach more people with your message. Find that one person that has influence to reach other people. Or maybe you are the Samaritan woman who has just encountered Jesus through a spiritual leader. And maybe you're still maturing. But you can still share the news to other people and point them back to Jesus as she did here. Either way, the harvest is ready and waiting for you to act. In verse 36, Jesus says, um, he reaps, receives wages and gathers food for eternal life that both, who, both he who sows and he who reaps 
may rejoice together. Typically, people forget the people who sow. That's the truth. Um, people who did dirty work, the groundwork, people, the back end. Some of us are called to the back end. Some of us, are, you know, are called to the front. People focus on the one who brings the harvest. People at the front end. The people with the mic, with the platforms, but there are people behind them supporting them. You know, the ones in front are usually the ones that get the praise, right? That's what Jesus was saying in verse 36. So you could just imagine, imagine that you're preaching to someone and at that moment, the person just says, yes, within five minutes, I accept Jesus into my life. So you're really excited and you're dancing on the street, maybe screaming, I just want a soul for God. But unknown to you, 10 years ago, someone told that person about Jesus, but they ignored him. <laughs> However, that person sowed a seed into their heart. And then 10 years later, you are at the right place at the right time. You speak and less than five minutes, they accept and you're rejoicing and you're happy that now one more soul is added to your crown of life. So the question now is, who owns that soul? <laughs> who will be rewarded for it? Would it be the person from 10 years ago or would it be you? Because I'm saying this because this is such a valid thing and concerns that a lot of Christians have, even on this journey. But what Jesus was saying here is that, yes, the person who reaps the harvest, so you who spoke to the person for five minutes and the person got converted, right? You received the praise, the accolade, the person is like, oh, thank you. Um, and that soul is obviously added, added to your, you know, your rewards for eternal life. But he's saying that it is also added on behalf of the sower who sowed 10 years ago, right? So both the sower and the reaper have that life counted towards them as fruit for eternal life. Jesus was also saying, even though one person sows and the other reap, both, both contributed to the harvest equally. In this case, for Jesus, Moses, Moses' law planted the seed in the Samar Samaritans, right? Perhaps John the Baptist's message of repentance watered the seed and then Jesus did the reaping, right? So he brought in the harvest. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 says, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. So there's no wrong or right method. Both the sower and the reaper are equally treated in the sight of God. This is such a, this thing in the church <laughs> causes so much, like who, is the, who, who gets the reward? So some people will rather reap than sow, but God is saying it's the same thing. This also tells us that the person who plants the seed of God, even if not done the Jesus way, you know how in church they're just, so many, like just so many doctrines has still planted a seed that has potential to be watered by another word of God. And if someone with the truth of the word of God comes to that person when the harvest is ready to actually receive, everyone along that chain who contributed to that soul, soul has done well. Everyone plays a different role. Right? So never be worried that you did not reap where you sowed, you know, some, you know, or someone you spoke to someone and they didn't respond, you've planted a seed, right? Everyone plays a different role. Plus, you would also reap what you didn't sow. So this stuff comes full cycle, right? Full circle. Um, <clears throat> as you see in verse 38, Jesus was telling the disciples, I sent you to reap what you did not labor. In this case, Jesus was referring to the baptism that they did in the beginning of the passage. So John chapter 4, verse 1, they were really getting John the Baptist crowd. And he was saying, John planted the seed in the hearts of the people when he was preaching, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. But now you guys, his disciples, were reaping his harvest by baptizing the people that John should have and would have baptized. 
So they were basically gathering the harvest of souls that John had labored for. So I go on this journey and this whole rant <laughs> spill to say that the body of Christ, that is the church, works together. Some people will sow or plant, some will water, some will reap or harvest. As Apostle Paul said, even some had um, some will add water. We are to complete each other, not compete with one another. That is so key. We complete each other, not compete with one another. Another thing to note is that this word is very valid and alive for us today. Jesus is telling us that in this season, you will reap and harvest what you did not labor for. You will reap the harvest of the generations that have gone ahead of us. A good example of this is the freedom many of us are enjoying today, you know, especially people of color and the opportunities available because of the sacrifices of people like um, Martin Luther King Jr., who had gone before us to plant a seed for which we did not labor for, and we are currently enjoying its harvest. Joshua chapter 24, verse 13 says, I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build. And you dwell and you will dwell in them. You will eat of the vineyards and the olive groves which you did not plant. And this is the promise of God for everyone on this call today, everyone listening to this today. And we're going to pray for this tonight. Verse 39 says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. I love this so much because we see the principle of testimonies here. I know this this entire message is so packed. Um, We see the principles of testimonies here. We, when we testify of what God has done, others believe in God because of the words of our testimonies. Let us learn to testify more of what God is doing in our lives so that others can believe in him. Let us learn to give honor and glory to whom honor is due and let's take less credit for ourselves. Acknowledge when God does something in your life because your testimony might just be what will make others believe in him just like the Samaritan did. Um, Samaritan woman did when she told her story to the, her community. In verse 40, we see that the Samaritans asked Jesus to stay with them. These guys were really, really, really ready for harvest. They were basically saying, Jesus, don't go. Stay with us. Don't leave us. And he responded to their request. He stayed two two days. So whenever we invite Jesus into our lives and tell him to stay, he never refuses the offer. Never. I don't think there's any part in the Bible where Jesus met genuine people that invited him to their home and he refused them. No, the only time he would run away were when he knew that those people just wanted to use him. But other than that, he was always ready. Jesus saw that they genuinely wanted to know him. So he stayed. Are you willing to welcome Jesus to stay until you encounter and believe him for yourself? This is what happened here. By the time Jesus stayed with them, they believed him, not because of what the woman said, but because of his own word, as you see in verse 41, right? He said, because they believed him because of his word. Are you spending time after Bible study to meet with Jesus, even after what you just heard about him? Have you heard from about him yourself? Has he spoken to you? Have you encountered him yourself? Has he spoken his word to you? Have you believed him after spending that intimate time and moment with him? Or are you just living off of what others told you about Jesus? These are valid questions for all of us today. We must all have our personal experiences with Jesus and his word and his living water. The woman only planted a seed in the lives of those men when she gave her testimony, just like I'm planting a seed now in your life. But you must be thirsty enough 
you must be hungry enough to ask Jesus to give you that living water, to give that living water to you directly. You can just simply say, Jesus, I want to spend an extra day with you. I just want to get to know you. It's that simple. Jesus is the only one that does the work in us by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. The words of my testimony may be valid, but the ultimate goal is that you believe in, in him yourself. You want to have that assurance that Jesus is real, right? Not that someone you read, not, uh, not as someone you read about, but someone you know and you spend time with. And the truth is, how can you really believe someone you don't know intimately or haven't experienced personally? We must all desire to build a personal relationship with God, not for what we want, but for him. He is real and he's a real person. And if you're like the Samaritan woman who is excited to share your message, to testify of the good news, don't worry about people believing your story or not. God is the one who makes people believe. Your job is to share your encounters with others. And finally, I'm wrapping up. Um, finally, in verse 42, then the people said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Lord, this is the ultimate goal of any disciple, of any extraordinary disciple, which we all are. It is that we testify about Jesus with our message our, through our lives and through that we lead them to him and we let them encounter Jesus themselves. You don't have to spoon feed anyone. Give them room to encounter Jesus and believe him for themselves and have their own personal stories. Jesus is the ultimate connector. He knows how to connect with you. He tells you about yourself. He knows how to call the deep inside of you to his deep, you know. Jesus just knows what to do to get to, you know, to get into that deep part of our heart. By the way, this is what connection, what true connection in any relationship should be about. Your deep should call to be a deep. This is what true intimacy is about. To truly enjoy, to truly enjoy a deeper connection from a relationship, you need to know the mind of the other person. This is why Jesus needed to spend two days with them. For Jesus to be able to get his word in them, not to them, but in, he had to put his word inside their spirit. He needed to spend two days there. Right. And then there were also people that were eager. So they were eager to receive the spirit that the spirit of Christ entered into their own spirit and they were able to receive it. I say all this to say that the hunger for more of God is the perfect recipe to encounter God. The Lord is truly a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In fact, based on this experience, we can see that if you need a mindset shift to believe God or his word concerning your life, you need to invest time, at least 48 hours of immersing in his word and allowing God to work in you. You can see like this guy, after spending two days, they believed in him. So the more we spend time with Jesus, when, you know, the more we spend time with Jesus, when we spend more time studying his word and praying, that's what it means practically, you know, we can have this shift in our lives. And we all need more than one encounter, more than one one-off experience with God, more than one Sunday service, or even a daily quote on Instagram, or even this bi-weekly Bible study session to truly experience and believe Jesus. 
We need the depth of intimacy to change our paradigms and mindset, to elevate us to the higher call and to become extraordinary disciples for Christ in our businesses, in our careers, in our relationships, in our families, in the world. This is why God calls us into relationship and not into religion. And this is the end of today's teaching. Um, I'm going to move on to summary and then Q&A. Please, if you guys would bear with me um, to just for a few more minutes, definitely we'll finish before 8.30 if there are no questions. And I'm sure it's even possible 8.15. So please bear with me. I'm going to summarize now. Send your prayers if there are any. I'm just checking the chat. Um, all right, sounds good. So summary, the key points to note that would enable you to live an extraordinary life is number one, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. Very key. Don't carry baggage. He will give you his living water, which is his word in exchange for your burden. Number two, the more you align to the will of God and to finishing the work he has called you to do per time, the more fulfilled you will become with no need for validation or, or approval from other people. Number three, sharing your testimony might just be the message someone else needs to hear to believe in God and his faithfulness. Number four, the more you spend time with Jesus, the more you will believe him, his person and his word. This builds trust and faith in you. Finally, as Christians, we are called to complete one another and not to complete with one another. That is a summary of the teaching today. Lord, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for a wonderful time in your presence tonight for teaching us. We learned so much. I learned so much as well. Um, thank you for teaching us your word. Holy Spirit, help us to be doers of your word and not just hearers, oh God. Empower us with your grace to be able to obey you and execute on the instructions you give us per time. Lord, we cast our burdens on you and we exchange them for, we, and in exchange for that, we receive your sustenance, we receive living waters, we receive the word that will change our lives, that will bring us life. Lord, you are the only one that sustains. Sustain us with your grace, sustain us with your goodness, and sustain us with your mercy. Lord, I pray that the eyes of our heart, the very center and the core of our being may be enlightened and flooded with your creative light. Lord, tonight you said you are going to flood our, our heart with creative light, the light that you used to create the world tonight because you are breathing new life, new ideas, new men, new women. Lord, that you flood us with your creative light by the power of the Holy Spirit. I declare, let there be light in your life. I declare, let there be light in every dark area of your life. May the light of God break forth within you, displacing every darkness so that darkness will not be able to understand what hit it. Lord, we receive a new heart and a new spirit within us. We receive a, flat, a heart of flesh, a heart that is white for harvest, a heart that is pure. I declare that our heart seeks you, O oh God. Let our hearts burn for you, set it on fire for you and your kingdom. We are ready, O oh God. We are. 
Holy Spirit, empower us to do the will of God for our lives, to do the will of the Father, and to finish, not just to do the will, but to finish the work that God has given us to do. Because Christ himself is the author and finisher. He is the resurrection and the completion. He doesn't start what he hasn't finished. So Lord, give Holy Spirit, give us the grace that whatever you've given us to do, that we'll be able to finish it. We will come and we will finish well. We will complete it and we will finish well. I declare that we will enter into a harvest that we do not labor for as a community and as individuals. We will reap that which we didn't labor for. We will enter into the bountiful harvest of what others, our fathers of faith, the generations before have gone ahead of us to labor for. Lord, that you will make the harvest ripe and bountiful for us. We receive land that we did not labor for. We receive cities that we did not build. I declare, even as all of us are minorities and underrepresented groups on in, in, in foreign land, Lord, we receive land that we did not labor for. We receive cities that we did not build. I declare that we will dwell and establish our lives in these cities. We will eat of the best of this land. And in and whatever this on what the city has to offer for us, anything that we did that we did not plants we would eat we will eat of the best of this land that which we do not plant you said we will eat it and you have given us today as a platform so i pray upon this house and i declare i declare as one that god has given authority and said i've given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven that whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in in heaven so tonight in the name of jesus in the authority of christ that called me to this work Lord, I pray in this moment, I do not speak in my own power, in my voice. I speak by the Spirit and I declare that everyone on this platform will receive land that they did not labor for. In this land, in the foreign land, you have called us into the diaspora. We have called us to be kings, oh God, to take over, to take territory, to take territory for you. And we speak and we receive that which you have given us. You said wherever the soul of our foot should touch, oh God, that we possess for our possession, every one of them, wherever they are, in North America, in the US, in Canada, in Africa, wherever you are, I speak unto you that wherever the, your foot touches, oh God, belongs to you because Christ has given it to you. He has said you will not live, you will, you would, you will, you will eat what you do not labor for. You will you will, you will receive cities that you do not build. You will receive land that you do not labor for. You will dwell and establish your lives in these cities and nothing will shake you. You will establish it not just for you but for generations to come in the name of Jesus and you will eat the best of the land. The best that the city has to offer. In the name of Jesus, so shall it be, so will it be, and so it is, O oh God. Because this is the word of the Lord, and it has come forth, O oh God. And it has come forth to create, hallelujah, makaliba. It has come forth to create, Lord. Like this creative word has come forth to create, O oh God. It will create opportunities. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we will testify. We will testify because we will eat of the good of this land. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. 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 Lead us to those you have called us to that are key to bringing exponential growth in the things you've called us to do in our businesses, in our careers, in our lives, in our relationships. Lord, the right partners, the right people, lead us to them in the name of Jesus. 
lead us to them in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, we invite you. We invite you to stay with us. We invite you into our quiet spaces. We invite you into our intimate spaces. We invite you into our lives. We invite you into our heart. And we ask that you stay with us and you spend time with us, oh God. Reveal yourself to us so that we can believe you more and more of your word and know you more so that we can grow strong in our faith and in our trust in you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word that has gone out. I thank you, Lord, for everyone on this platform. I thank you for their lives. I thank you because of what you're doing in their lives. I thank you because this is the beginning of the best. This is the beginning of the best. Lord, you said the be- the end is always better than the beginning. Lord, I decree on their life, even as they enter the end of this month, that it will be better than the beginning, that everything that they lay their hands on will prosper. Lord, whatever they they decree on earth, oh God, will be settled, oh God. As they speak, oh God, fill their mouth. As they open their mouth, fill their mouth, oh God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, grant them favor. Lord, grant them favor. Lord, grant them favor. In the name of Jesus, Lord, be with them. Lord, protect them. Lord, lead them. Lord, lead them. Lord, I pray that they will not regret that they that they, 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 they spend their Wednesday nights here, Lord, that you will begin to make a shift in their life. They will begin to see God in new dimension. They will experience you. They will experience the grace on this house. Lord, you have called us as a house, oh God. And Lord, they will experience the grace on this house, oh God. Supernatural things, oh God. It's a supernatural grace on this house. And they will experience the supernatural in their lives in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray. I pray that the mighty hand of God will not leave them. I cover them with the blood of Jesus and I put the mark of the seal of the blood of the Lamb on each and every one of them and I use them as a point of contact to their family members and anyone connected with them. Lord, we pray that they will be accounted for. No evil will befall them. No weapon formed against them will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against them in their workplaces in any way of God. Lord, I pray they will be condemned. Anybody that wants to speak against their promotion, against their rising by the power of the Holy Ghost, silence their mouth in the name of Jesus, just as you silence the you shut the mouth of the dead lions in the lion's den for Daniel. You will silence their mouth. They won't be able to speak up. In the name of Jesus, Lord, you, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you will favor them. In the name of Jesus, Lord, anybody that is speaking against their rising, Lord, you will silence them. In the name of Jesus, these are your children. These are your anointed. And they have been chosen for a time as this, O oh God, to bring kingdom to earth, O oh God. And through their lives, your glory will be filled. They will shine. They will They'll be the best amongst their peers. They will rise. They will rise. They will rise. They will rise. They will they will rise to greatness. They will rise to greatness. They will rise to greatness. In the name of Jesus, they will rise to greatness in every area of their life. Lord, in their businesses, in their careers, in everything they're doing, they will rise. They will stand out. In the name of Jesus, they will rise. They will stand out. In the name of Jesus, they will rise and they will stand out. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We give you all the praise. I cover these prayers with the blood of Jesus. I pray that their signs sealed and delivered unto victory. They will rise. They will rise and they will stand out. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Lord, we thank you. We give you all the praise. We thank you, O oh God. You thank you, God, for just leading us tonight. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. 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 Again, if these sessions are blessing you, please feel free to share with your friends. Let us grow together as a community. Um and 
you know, just share the link, the daily prayer links to people. Let them sign up because that's how I communicate with everyone. Again, feel free to send me your prayer request um, through email or chat. I'm always praying for you. I always pray for our community. So please don't feel shy. If there's anything you want me to pray about, I, I, you're here, your family already. So I will pray for you. Love you so much. Thank you all for coming. Um, have a wonderful rest of the week and weekend. See you guys.